power on. Legendary films and TV shows. Or just pure shit. The legendary host, Dr. Brian Sovereign. Sovereign at the movies. The man of tomorrow is here, the Golden Stallion, Savzu, the Rated R radio star. Been in this podcast game for oh, almost over 10 years. And there's some old wisdom in the podcast. And really, actually, it comes from the radio space, so it's even older than podcast. And that wisdom is, or the saying is anyway, I guess it's up to you if you consider it wisdom. That video is for the dullards and audio is for the intelligentsia. Okay. Uh, the idea being that the, the less the media engages your senses or, or uh, not, not your senses, but the less the media tells you as in it allows your mind to your imagination to run wild. Like a book allows your imagination to run wild. Um, even or, or like a, a radio show, you know, like people that used to listen to the shadow or whatever, you know, where those kinds of things, like your mind was filling in a lot of the blanks. The more your mind gets to fill in the blanks, the more intellectual the content, right? That's the idea. Now, is this always true? No, not really. Uh, because obviously I'm here. I mean, I'm recording a show called Sovereign at the Movies, which obviously entails me watching movies or other kinds of content. But where I do think that this is true, <laughs> and also it's not always true here, but or there, but is fucking YouTube. So as you can tell by the title of the podcast, and by the way, this was requested in the in the Sovereign Tech Telegram group. They said, Brian. Are we getting a Masters of the Universe Revelations, uh, uh, you know, review or revelation, not revelations? And I said, oh, yeah, don't worry. I'm already three episodes deep. We're going to do this. And so I'm doing this. Now, this is and we're going to talk about more what this is. All right. This is something that has received or has been met, I should say, with a lot of controversy. And I happen to in YouTube, the YouTube algorithms, infinite wisdom or lack thereof. Uh, I was shown or, or recommended a lot of reviews of this animated series that Netflix uh, just recently came out with as of July 23rd, 2021, 
one that we know, you know, we've known it's been coming since like 2019, but I figure, you know, I, uh, I mean, I'm straight edge. I don't drink at all. Uh, so I, I wonder sometimes like, what is it like to lose brain cells? And so I watch these YouTube videos. It's a great way to lose some brain cells or at least to come away a little bit dumber. And that was, uh, that was certainly the case here. I mean, I watched, you know, shitty musicians talk about it like Eric July. Um, I, let's see, there's that guy who hides behind an animated, highly doubtful version of himself. <laughs> always wear, always, uh, uh, holding like a glass of, um, I don't know, a cocktail of some kind. Um, and, and, and speaks with whatever accent. And, and if he feels uh, offended by me saying that, just wait, I've got more. <laughs> I'm happy to offend you guys. But after watching these moronic reviews, um, from really, I mean, look, they're just nincompoops. Okay. <laughs> you know, it speaks to what I was talking about in the previous sovereign at the movies where I was like, you know, know something like if you're going to come out here and you want to make money off of you talking about, um, you know, these franchises, uh, I want you to know, to know your shit. And these people don't know their shit. You know, it's like my old friend Harlan Ellison would always say, you are not entitled to your opinion. You are entitled to your informed opinion. And I have seen very few people that are complaining about this show. And actually, I've seen very few people that even like the show that seem to have an informed opinion when they are making an argument from some kind of historicity. So please indulge me for a moment while I put my credentials on display. Um, I mean, as far as He-Man goes, I'm not going to start there. I'll get to that in a second. As far as my credentials uh, of, of being a nerd, you know, of being a geek, of knowing my shit, long before, well, I mean, the internet, sure, has been around since the 90s, but as I always say on Sovereign Tech, really the internet didn't take over and didn't become a thing for, you know, people that, make these videos because, well, I mean, it's amazing. They can figure out a computer, but 2003 is when people who couldn't figure out a computer were able to get on the internet. But how about this before there was Google or Wikipedia, you know, back when you had to like self-submit to Yahoo. And at the time I was only a teenager. Okay. Again, born in 1981. Now, long time sovereign tech listeners already know some of this story. I used to talk about it a lot more, but, you know, I'll give a very brief recap here. Um, I like the instant that I was able to, to legally get on planes, <laughs> you know, alone to where, you know, maybe I needed at 17 needed a note or something or whatever, you know, but bottom line being is that, you know, when I could fly alone, uh, you didn't get a note. You just, you know, your parents took care of it. But anyway, I was flying around the world. I was sneaking off into Canada <laughs> and staying there much beyond what was legally allowed at the time, <laughs> having to have my dad come get me at the fucking border, going to conventions, science fiction conventions, you see, because at the time, yeah, we had IRC and, and whatever, you know, and, and we could, we could, and believe me, it happened where people, I mean, I was in like the original SG one IRC groups. In fact, my first 
girlfriend I basically met in, in the IRC chat room that existed uh, for SG-1. It wasn't official or anything, but I guarantee you it was the biggest at the time because, again, there weren't that many people that could figure out how to get onto IRC. Most people that use a computer today couldn't do it either. But I was going to conventions, and here's, the, here's, the, here's a popular thing that used to happen at conventions years ago. And I'm sure this was true from at least the 70s when the convention circuit, I mean, there were conventions beforehand, before then, but that's when they kind of became a hot thing with Star Trek conventions and everything. Uh, a popular thing to do at conventions would be to, you know, like do not, not, it wasn't like a game show. Sometimes it would be like a game show. Sometimes, you know, at a really like, like a uh, creation entertainment, you know, like one of their big uh, events. They, they would make it a big deal. You know, they'd make it almost like, like Jeopardy on stage and everything where you would do trivia contests, but other times it was simple and you just have somebody up on the stage with a fucking microphone and you'd, ha you'd they make little rules of how you could, uh, answer, you know, the, the, the trivia or, you know, give your answer while you're just sitting in an auditorium, right? Very simple stuff. So at these conventions, you had other people like me who would kind of go to these, you know, because it's the only way you could find other people like you, you know, other dorks, other nerds, other geeks, other super fans is, uh, I guess would be the, the modern term for them in a very real sense. Understand this is where we felt alive and comfortable because this was our people. So yes, we would travel thousands of miles to connect in that way. Um, yes, we would have, I mean, I look, when I was working at Wendy's as a teenager, I remember whole paychecks going to the long distance phone bill. Okay. <laughs> because you just like the only people you could talk to were, were, you know, and if you wanted to actually talk to them, you know, over the phone, there was long distance was a thing at the time. And, you know, I'd, I'd pay hundreds of dollars just in long distance phone bills, just to be able to connect with these people. That's how important conventions used to be. Okay. So I would go to so many Dragon Con, World Con. Uh, I mean, just go go down the list of of whatever one it had happened to be, and I'd be going to it. And went to Dragon Con many many times. And everybody knows the legends about Dragon Con. I guarantee you, the man of tomorrow is behind some of those legends. It was an amazing time, and I could you know recount some stories that I'm sure people would love, but because <laughs> there's again there's some wild times. But my point in this is that, so, so I was one of those guys that would go to these things all the time. Here, here's what happened. Okay. Because they'd have these trivia contests. Sometimes these conventions would go two, three, five days, even, you know, if you were lucky. Um, and, and they'd have these trivia, trivia contests. Sometimes they'd have two a day, you know, and they'd have them every day and I'd hit them all up and I would just clean house in these trivia contests for whatever it happened to be. It could be about Star Trek. It could be about Blake seven. It could be about hell. It could be about Hercules legendary journey. Uh, you know, it could be pick Battlestar Galactica, the real one, not the horse shit that came out in, you know, by Ron Moore, Buck Rogers, Knight Rider, go down the fucking list, whatever it was. Okay. I, I, I would clean house and I'd walk away. I mean, with an armload of there, there's a, there's a picture of me, uh, from, from 1998. And in, in my bedroom, and I've shared this back when I had, I don't have social media accounts anymore. Haven't had them for like a year, but people know this picture. Maybe I'll share it again in the telegram group just because, you know, we do have that. Um, and it's me in my bedroom and the bedroom is just littered 
with, with collectibles and sci-fi shit in 1998, when there wasn't that much of that stuff really, other than, you know, the episode one deluge of, of merchandise that was happening. And certainly some of that's there. Now, a lot of that stuff I didn't buy a lot of that stuff. I won even at that age, I won, you know, in these trivia contests. I, I mean, I'm clean house. And after about a year, year and a half of like going to all these conventions, I started to become a mini celebrity class. I don't know, class S maybe R <laughs> right. celebrity. And it got to the point where, in fact, the first time, uh, was in Houston, in Houston, Texas. It got to the point where, uh, I was asked by like somebody, I don't know, some actual celebrity <laughs> got like, like didn't, didn't fill in. I forget. It was a comic book writer. I forget who it was. Um, wasn't able to make an engagement. So there was this open stage for about 45 minutes. The, uh, the, the guy who ran the, the local, you know, conventions, he came up to me and said, Hey, Brian, you know, you want to, you want to just get up on stage and, and have some fun. I mean, people, people love you. Like, you, you know, he's like saying, you're a star. I mean, he's like building me up and everything. I, I've now I had spoken in front of crowds previously. Okay. Uh, <laughs> that's a whole other story, but even at that young age, yes. Okay. But he says to me, you know, you want to get up there and just do your thing? Like, because I, I would give these little rants, you know, when I was uh, like just walking the, 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 the showroom floor, as it were, uh, at, at these conventions. And, uh, I, I got, I was just copying my hero and my hero at the time. And to this day, you know, it was Harlan Ellison. Uh, not that I agree with everything Harlan Ellison ever said or did or whatever, but you know, uh, we certainly had more in common than not. I mean, I'm an anarchist. I don't think that that Harlan Ellison would ever describe himself that way. But, you know, and, and unfortunately, he's no longer with us anyway to argue about it. So that said, um, but I was just copying Harlan. I was like, OK, you know, <laughs> uh, and so I would do my own little rants complaining about whatever horse shit, you know, was on TV or anything like that. So I'm not new to this game. OK of even what I'm doing, like say with sovereign at the movies, I've been doing this arguably since I was a teenager, but anyway, with this organizer, I, I agreed. I said, you know what? Sure. What the hell? <laughs> I'll go for it. Okay. Uh, and I, I don't want to get into the, the whole background with this. I mean, if somebody really wants me to talk about this stuff, maybe I could do a special if you wanted or something, but about it, but, um, I was, I was a, an angry young man. I wasn't a violent young man, but I was an angry young man. Right. Cause in a million ways, like I felt like I was lied to, and this has to do with religion, society in general, lots of other things. And, you know, granted we've all been lied to, you know, so whatever. And I would put that, you know, anger on display <laughs> when I get on stage or when I was originally, when I was just ranting in the hallways. But anyway, I got on stage. I did my thing. I talked about all kinds of crap. They had to do with science fiction, religion, you know, whatever. Okay. And when I, when I first, before, when the guy was announcing me, like he didn't have that much to, to go on. He was just saying, it's like, this guy will, you know, will just destroy you in trivia, you know, kind of like, like laying out that kind of stuff. And then 
he introduced me as, and here he is, the king of the nerds, Brian, you know, and then out I come. And when he said king of the nerds, it just stuck right there. Okay. I, I got to give him full credit for that. Uh, other people might've, you know, bantied the term around a bit. And I, and I mean, I, to this day, I hold on to the term, you know, nerd with absolute pride, but it stuck. And not only did that stick, I ended up getting a standing O <laughs> at the, at the end of the, the, the 45 minutes. Uh, and I, I don't know how other people found out about it, but at other conventions, when I'd go there, suddenly I was getting asked, Hey, you want to see, you want to, you want to speak? You want to talk like people? We, we heard about this, whatever. Why don't you get up there and, and, and do your thing? And I started getting billed as you know, like I was, I was getting into the sheets of, you know, here, here the King of the nerds, you know, <laughs> come see him talk. And I mean, I wouldn't get big crowds, you know, but those who knew those who were also kind of, I don't want to call them groupies of the, of the, not groupies of me, but groupies of uh, the convention circuit. Um, roadies, I guess maybe, well, they're not roadies cause they didn't work for it. Well, some of them did, but anyway, I got a reputation and I ended up being called, you know, King of the nerds. And in fact, in, uh, I think it was 2015, that same organizer for the Houston convention circuit, he got in touch with me, must've listened to sovereign tech or whatever, and emailed me and said, Hey, Brian, you, you want to come down and, and, and just, you know, just let it rip. <laughs> I didn't, I couldn't like at the time it just wasn't feasible. Uh, I would have loved to, I, I think, uh, even though. I don't imagine I would have gone over as well, um, you know, now as I did in the nineties, cause in the nineties, like even as much as I would get, you know, kind of raged out about shit, uh, you know, most of the, most of the stuff we were getting at the time, as far as science fiction goes, uh, I mean, or a lot of it was, was really good. I mean, we still had Babylon five going, we had SG one, um, you know, Xena was going, uh, I mean, there was a lot of stuff that was really, really awesome. And the eighties were frankly still kind of fresh. I mean, the sci-fi channel was the coolest fucking thing on the planet. And at the time it was not when it was Siffy, that's horseshit. But when it was the sci-fi channel, fucking amazing. But because generally I hate everything modern <laughs> and we'll see how I feel about masters of the universe revelation here. But because of that, I don't think I'd go over so well now. So, you know, it didn't happen. And I, I and he hasn't offered since. It was very kind of him, but whatever, that's fine. Uh, I share with you this first half of my credentials to elucidate, to, to uh, uh, explain, enlighten you on when I say that I know my shit when it comes to franchises. No, I... I'm like, I really know my shit before there was Google, before there was Wikipedia, before the, everybody had access to the internet. Uh, and again, it's not just Star Trek or Star Wars. I mean, like I had it all covered now today. It's practically impossible to do that because there's so much, especially genre fiction. I mean, yeah, there's just, there's so much out there. Forget it. You, you can't really encapsulate it all as much as I will take in a lot of content at like two X on VLC, just so, you know, because fuck, it's the only way I've got the time. I mean, hell just try keeping up, you know, keep up with star Wars alone today and like take in everything. 
you know, from video games to the comics, to the books, to the shows and all that. Good luck. I know how hard it is because I'm doing it. But that said, in a very real way, up until about 2002, um, when I unfortunately joined the military, unfortunately, I, uh, I mean, I, I took in just about anything and everything, you know, and, and could, could, t I mean, I could walk by a television and I could pretty much tell you what anything was that, that was on, <laughs> like anything, you know, even with, if you had, you know, 500 channels of cable, that's how bad it was. <laughs> right? uh, so there's the first half of the credentials. Okay. When I say I'm the king of the nerds, I'm not kidding because you're, you're really not a king of the nerds until someone like announces you as such <laughs> on stage. All right. Uh, so the other part of my credentials, so there, there's, there's my, there's my bit of uh, nerd cred. And that, I mean, that's just like the easy part or, you know, that, that, that's like the smallest part. Obviously there's plenty more that I could lay out. Um, let's talk about He-Man, shall we? So my He-Man credentials, okay, if you're wondering, well, gee, maybe Brian doesn't really know about He-Man if he's saying what he's saying in this, in this, uh, in, you know, in this review. Haha. <laughs> my, my first, my, or one of, I, I guess one of my three oldest memories, I might have two, two or three memories that I can, uh, that, that I can really think of. I don't know. I'll, I'll, we'll say it's in the top five earliest memories. I was four years old. In fact, I have a picture of this cake. I was four years old. It's the first birthday that I can remember. Okay. Um, and for my birthday, my uh, uh, mother for my fourth, you know, for turning four, my mother got me a He-Man birthday cake. It was huge vanilla, you know, icing cake had He-Man on it and everything. I mean, at the time, you know, he original masters of the universe started in 83. So this would have been like 85. So it was right on point, but I'll never forget that cake. I'll never forget blowing out the four candles. Okay. Like, I, I mean, it just, just, it's stuck there. Okay. So one of my five earliest memories is in fact, the only franchise that has an earlier memory is star Wars, but that's a whole other story that I've mentioned on previous podcasts, because actually there's kind of a big psychological thing there that I've, I learned in recent years. And I knew exactly, you know, who that was on the cake. It wasn't just my parents thinking like, oh, this is what's cool. So we'll put that on the cake. No, uh, I was well aware that that was He-Man. I watched He-Man. I can remember watching it at four. Um, I can remember watching it for years later because He-Man had, you know, enough episodes to where it would be on a daily run. You know, it'd be like in, in syndication and, um, because, you know, for syndication, you need what over a hundred episodes. And I think He-Man had like 130 and I mean, well into, you know, much older <laughs> than four, um, I would continue to, to watch, uh, He-Man and also, uh, the new adventures of He-Man when that came out after the original masters of the universe series ended, uh, the new adventures of He-Man, which I love that show, uh, you know, I, that was like the first premiere event where I knew that it was coming. And I remember watching it on the Sunday that it aired, uh, you know, it was that, that big of a deal for me at the time, even though I was so young. And I guess I would have been about nine at the time. Cause that came out in 1990. So there you go. So I've been watching He-Man forever. Uh, I remember when the, uh, the movie came out with Dolph Lundgren and, um, 
course, the the awesome performance by Frank Langella as Skeletor. Holy fuck. <laughs> did that did that mold the man <laughs> or mold the boy? Woo. Had plenty of the toys for many years, even though the toys weren't. I mean, I, I've always had like a lot of toys, you know, and always into the toys. And I tell my own stories with the toys and everything. This is true for G.I. Joe and, you know, all the rest of them. Thundercats go down the list. Uh, but toys have never like collectibles themselves have never really been a big deal for me, or at least not collectibles as in like, you know, the figures and everything and, and stuff that takes up like tons of shelf space. Ne- never really been my thing. Again, you know, that classic picture I talked about from 98 of me with all that stuff. A lot of that was just was stuff that I won. It's not like I would, you know, naturally buy that. The collectibles that always interest me are things that are like more exceptionally like the rarer uh, and the things that I feel like maybe not a lot of people would really like know about. I, I don't want to get lost on a, on, a, on a side tangent, but a lot of things that I want to like what you could call collectibles that I have around me are things that are often like really, really insider so that it's a, it's a way of me finding when somebody say looks in my studio or, you know, looks in a room or whatever, like if they know what that is, then I have a somewhat of a shared history with the person and I have a jumping off point of where I can talk to them. So, you know, that that's, I'm very particular kind of like how Sherlock Holmes, right? Sherlock Holmes only kept or only had things that were in any way like sentimental, right? They, they were attached to some kind of memory. Uh, I, for me, it's not about sentimental. It's about what can I have that will prove that another person who sees it, like they just must be a super fan. That's the only way they know what that is. And so then I can engage with them. And I mean, yeah, there's some collectibles I have that inspire me, right? Like certain starships around or whatever else that are Funko pops that I like to have that, uh, yeah, that inspire, but you know, th- those are kind of my purposes around collectibles. I'm not one to just have a ton of shit. Like that's just, that's not my game. Okay. He-Man is certainly one of those things where a lot of people have held on to it via the collectibles, via the, fi- the action figures and, and sets and everything else. Okay. In fact, I've really, I've met a lot of people who will have a He-Man like action figure collection and they really don't know a whole lot about He-Man story-wise, you know, like they, they know the general gist and all this and, but they're just holding on to the action figures. They're definitely, we got to be careful with this, with, with the term nostalgia. Okay. There are absolutely people who engage with, you know, retro media, if we're going to use a term who engage with retro media and retro, retro material, you know, retro collectibles and what, and whatever, who are doing it out of a sense of nostalgia. Okay. And I don't necessarily even think that there's anything wrong with that, but my issue with just saying everything, like people only collect action figures uh, of He-Man out of nostalgia or they're only watching the show and they're only complaining about the show because of nostalgia or blah, blah, blah. Uh, that, that argument's just got to go out the door because so not that there's anything wrong with nostalgia, but let's be very clear on definitions here. Nostalgia is when you are reminiscing on the things of childhood, right? Or on things of the past, whatever that happens to be. That's nostalgia. 
reminiscing upon those things because, and you're reminiscing upon them because they are no longer a part of your life. Okay. As in, you know, like you're thinking back on them fondly, right? But you're thinking, but just the very act that you're thinking back on them is what makes nostalgia nostalgia. Like you, you have to keep that in mind. There are people like myself where He-Man is not nostalgia. Do I have memories that go back, you know, uh, uh, 35 years? Yes, of course I do. But when you're somebody who, no, look, like I never, like I just said, I never stopped watching He-Man. You understand? I kept watching it. To this day, I watch He-Man. And if I'm not watching He-Man, when, you know, say the 2002 uh, uh, remake came out, which was Dynamite, should have gone well beyond two seasons. You know, if I wasn't watching He-Man, I was reading He-Man in, you know, in, in the comic books, whatever DC or whoever happened to be doing, you know, or Wildstorm or, you know, in, in, in taking on the Injustice universe and whatever. So you see, that's not nostalgia. Because nostalgia uh, not, not just implies, but explicitly states that it's something you're thinking about from the past. But if something is always with you, you're always carrying it with you and you're still consuming it and engaging with it, that can't be nostalgia. So no one, no one can use the nostalgia argument against me. Okay. And look, I get it. I, I, <laughs> There was a, <laughs> there's a movie that I watched. Holy shit. The amount of times I watched this, this, this movie as a kid, uh, it's called the dirt bike kid. I mean, I watched this over and over and over and over and over again all the time. Loved this movie as a kid, as a teenager. So not that far removed <laughs> from when I watched it over and over and over again as a teenager, or I mean, I don't know, maybe I was 20, something like that. Okay. Uh, I remember my buddy and I, uh, uh, I call him Spock. That's anyway, that was the nature of our relationship. We were best friends. Um, we, we, we said, you know what, let, let's, let's go find a copy of dirt Bike kid and let's watch it again because he, he loved that movie too when he was a kid. Okay. Uh, even though we didn't know each other when we were that young, but we were so alike when we got older. Well, anyway, it wasn't a surprise. So we're like, let's watch it. And we watched it. And man, that movie's horrible. <laughs> that movie is such a flying turd. It's so bad. So I say that to also suggest that, okay, while just because you, you know, there's two sides to this coin, just because you like something as a kid does not mean that somehow it was great. It also doesn't mean that it was inherently bad either. You know, so it's not inherently great or it's not inherently bad. And you can come to things later and reassess and say, well, you know, actually I was kind of dumb <laughs> for being into that. Or I was naive, not dumb. I mean, kids aren't dumb, but again, I share that to highlight, you know, that I, I can objectively look back at things and say, oh, that was crap. You know, even though I might've absolutely adored it or loved it as a kid, but he man is not one of those things. Masters of the universe has really stood the test of time. And when you, you know, just watch some making specials or documentaries on it and you listen to uh, a lot of the people behind it. In fact, one of the people behind it 
is none other than God, that being J. Michael Straczynski of Babylon 5. He's also behind Captain Power, which, oh man, boy, we could go there. But <laughs> made by the same guy who made the Masters of the Universe movie with, with Lundergan. But anyway, you know, Gary Goddard. Oh, that's a whole other story, though. We don't need to talk about Gary Goddard here. But it's a cartoon that's really, really held up well, uh, even though there have been multiple campaigns against it. Um, where VH1 would kind of trash it and other people would see it as hokey. No, there's some, just some really great, charming optimism in it. Uh, there's some very, I mean, I mean, there's, there's laugh, absolute laugh out loud moments to this day. You know, like the character of Skeletor is so well done. I know he's kind of like almost a running meme or joke, uh, at this point on the internet. Uh, unfortunately, I mean, it's, it's somewhat funny, but then like, I don't know, some people take it a little too far. Um, but I mean, there's just some hilarious moments in all of it. And it absolutely has the magic thing that I think any franchise really needs to have. And it can take a lot of different shapes, but He-Man's got it. And that is cool factor. Uh, the mixture of, you know, Conan the Barbarian, magic and technology, you know, like, like sci-fi tech. I, I mean, this is, man, did it, did it put all of those elements together in such an instantaneously believable way? Uh, I, I mean, it's outrageous. Yes. But like it fit in the, like it was consistent within the world, you know, of Eternia that they created. And really it's, it's mixture of cool factor and just some of the hilarious shit that Skeletor says, uh, I think is, is, a that's a major part of its staying power. Uh, I mean, similar to like the original lost in space, right? Where, you know, Dr. Smith, like if anybody remembers anything, it's, it's just the hilarious shit that Dr. Smith would say to the robot and masters of the universe. I find, you know, it kind of fits in the same way, but again, there are really cool stories in a lot of that. I mean, there's, there's some dynamite episodes in it that are a lot of fun. Sure. The animation, I mean, at the time the animation was, you know, top notch. That's part of what I think drew a lot of eyes on it. Was it also a, you know, 20 minute to 30 minute, depending upon how many commercials they needed, was it itself? a advertisement for, <laughs> for masters of the universe action figures. Sure. But you brought in these creatives who, you know, writers and everybody else and artists and everybody else that, you know, they had their own, you know, they wanted to express their own agendas and have fun with it and, and get their stories out there. And I mean, you know how many stories Straczynski has inside of them and they put it on display, you know? So, there's a lot of times where these, yes, a lot of con a lot of cartoons, especially from the eighties were just advertisements for the toys, but you see the, the studios usually didn't really care too much about what the storylines or, you know, the studio heads didn't care so much or, or the, maybe the, the toy companies didn't care so much about what was in the stories. They weren't looking at those because they were making all the money off of the toys. And so they would let your Straczynski's and whoever else like put in some deep shit or some even like more grown up stuff in these cartoons. They get to sneak it in because again, it was the, the show wasn't where the studios were making or where the, the, the companies, the, the, the corporations were making the money. They're making the money off the toys. So they didn't care what was in the shows. And it's astonishing sometimes what they get away with. I mean, and you'd get guys like Paul Dini and some others uh, who, you know, they go on to do Batman, the animated series, largely considered the greatest cartoon of all time or the greatest animated series of all time, uh, or do stuff for beast wars, uh, uh, you know, fucking awesome. 
So, you know, Masters of the Universe was really a proving ground for a lot of these, you know, people who would become, who would do some of the, you know, best work in their respective fields uh, just a few years later, you know, of all time. I mean, you're just like the best. Uh, very similar to how, like, a lot of people don't realize this with the original MacGyver, right? With Richard Dean Anderson. The original MacGyver, so much work would be done on that by people who would later, not just actors, but I mean, like, crew people, directors, all of them, uh, even composers like Dennis McCarthy, whatever, who would go on to do work for Star Trek The Next Generation, who would also go on to do, like, Babylon 5, like Michael Vahar directed a ton of uh, uh, MacGyver episodes, right? Um I mean, all like there, there is such a wellspring of greatest shit to ever come out that came out of MacGyver and people just don't seem to remember that for whatever reason, but at least I'm glad they remember MacGyver, uh, and maybe don't think about the new horse shit that came, that, that got pushed on people <laughs> that, that thankfully got canceled. But anyway, the same is true for, uh, for the original masters of the universe, uh, cartoon. Now me. I mean, you know, like how much do I still care about this? Um, I have, and I'll never get rid of this, even if they come out with a Blu-ray set, which I, I don't really see happening. But anyway, I have the the DVD set that ended up coming out in, uh, in 2013 um, that, in fact, they only made 15,000 of these. Uh, it's the 30th anniversary commemorative collection of Masters of the Universe, and it has pretty much everything. Uh, and a ton of bonus features, you know, but it's like 22 DVDs total. Um, it doesn't have She-Ra on it, though I do have those DVDs as well. Um, but it has the original Masters of the Universe series complete, all the seasons. It has all of the new adventures of He-Man, and it has um, the two seasons of the uh, 2002 remake of uh, of Masters of the Universe. And in fact, many times... Um, well, I don't usually release the video that Rob and I do for when we record our show, TIE Fighter Renegades. Um, but when, you know, if you, if you saw the video, you'd often see it in the background in the studio. Um, you'd see the, the castle gray skull and the plastic box and everything uh, that's in the set. I mean, the set even comes with a CD with, with a soundtrack on it, uh, comes with a little golden uh, power sword. Uh, so, you know, I have the power sword. <laughs> uh, but yeah, mine is actually, it's number 4,324 of, uh, of, of 15,000. So there's only 15,000 of these are produced. Frankly, 15,000 is actually for a set of this kind. That's not that limited, right? I mean, for a DVD set to come out with that big of a, with that size of a run is frankly not uncommon, but I have one of them because, and I've had it for a very, you know, for a long time. And that's because that's how much, that's how much I care about He-Man. Um, even Mrs. Sovereign. I mean, <laughs> uh, you know, years, years ago, she, she even, because of me, she started watching cause they had all the He-Man, you know, original He-Man episodes, uh, on YouTube. She started watching all of those and, you know, she, she totally, I, I, I think it's safe for me to say fell in love with Skeletor. Um, she's gotten me He-Man gifts, <laughs> you know, over the years. So Mrs. Sovereign gets it. And she, like me, you know, I, again, like I said, you know, was really into Skeletor. Now that's, so that, that's a thing for me that you got to get, um, is that I was never into the good guys. Like I thought snake mountain was the fucking cool play set, you know, castle gray skull. Yeah. Okay. But no skull or snake mountain was, was where it was at. Um, and you know, all, all the beast, man, all like those to, those are the figures I wanted. Those were the people I wanted to quote unquote play as. Okay. 
And frankly, that's true for most franchises. Nine times out of 10, I I'm into the villains. Like I, and, and which is probably a big reason why I don't like a lot of modern entertainment because modern entertainment does not do justice. Uh, well, I mean, they think that they're doing justice with the heroes engaging in justice against the, the villains, but they don't, the villains as characters, they don't do justice as characters, uh, meaning that they don't develop them. You know, there's, there's nothing to really buy into as far as what's the evil that's being gone after. Right. In fact, one of the few Funko pops that I have is of Skeletor, um, riding Panthor. So, and it's probably the biggest Funko I've got, uh, but I, I absolutely, I'm going to have that. Yes. I have all the comics, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, and all the, all the books that have come out, even the guides over the action figures, even though I don't really care that much about the action figures. Um, you know, I'm just that into He-Man. I want to, you know, give it all to me, baby. And that's also true with She-Ra, you know, because women are badass right on. And uh, I'm, th- I'm there for it. So, I've been going for about 40 minutes here, (laughs) just covering my credentials. But in case somehow this gets shared on YouTube or whatever, or gets shared around because everybody's just in fucking outrage over Masters of the Universe Revelation. uh, I wanted to make sure that people knew where I'm coming from and that I am not some and that also like here's the other thing you got to get. Okay, yes, I'm an anarchist. Uh, I come with no real political agenda. Not left, not right, not conservative, not ANCAP, not ANCOM, not none. Okay? I'm an anarchist. It stops right there. I also don't give a shit about your culture war. It doesn't mean anything to me uh, because, frankly, both sides are full of crap in the United States. Uh, You know, I'm a culture of one. And as Captain Picard said in the uh, season six two-parter, Birthright, in the next generation, as he said it to commander data culture of one is just as valid as any other, but at the same time, I don't give a shit about yours. So (laughs) with all of that out there, what did the man of tomorrow think about masters of the universe revelation? I had the time of my life watching this. (laughs) I had a great time. (laughs) I really, I really did. Um, Now, part of this, I'm sure, is that I didn't go into here. Here is what I knew about uh, Masters of the Universe Revelation. This is all I knew about it. Okay. News going to be on Netflix. I don't have a Netflix account, but I still watched all five episodes in 1080p. Hmm. Anyway. All I knew is is that Mark Hamill was voicing Skeletor. Great. Awesome. I'm there, (laughs) you know, and we'll talk about that, how he did. Um, But that, that, that was okay. And I, and I knew Kevin Smith was making it, which I was like, all right, that gives it a little more credence. And I knew that they were saying that it was going to be a sequel, uh, you know, to, to, you know, He-Man, the masters of the universe. Um, I guess they, they might have lightened up a little bit on what it was an actual sequel to because, well, here's the rub. So this five episode series can easily be a sequel to just about anything that has come out previously with He-Man other than maybe the masters of the universe movie, but it still, and I got to give the people credit. It still pays homage to the masters of the universe live action film with Dolph Lundgren. 
because there are a couple points at least where Skeletor, uh, and there's going to be spoilers here, folks deal with it. There are a couple points at least where Skeletor almost directly quotes the film where he says, let this be our final battle right out of, uh, I mean that that's right out of the end, the end fight scene, um, from the masters of the universe movie. Uh, then, you know, where he claims that he's a God, right? One of the best speeches in movie history, if not the best right out of Frank Langella's uh, performance. Phenomenal. So I thought that that was great to get those like moments of respect and you, and they're, they're great moments in the movie, you know, I mean, that, and, and also, oh fuck, how could I even forget the, the, the flying discs <laughs> when they're in preternia? Hell yes. <laughs> that, was, that was so cool, which those were, you know, infamous, dare I say, from the Masters of the Universe movie. Look, I'm not going to pretend that the Masters of the Universe movie was like, you know, this great work, but there there's stuff in it that is just dynamite that makes it worth the price of admission. But anyway, it, it really could be a sequel to anything. Um, the only thing I feel like it completely ignores would be, you know, New Adventures of He-Man, which is a shame because that was playing off of uh, and was a direct sequel to the continuity of the original He-Man, the masters of the universe, uh, cartoon, but whatever. And, and it was a good card, like new adventures. What I enjoyed that. Um, I, I I'm disappointed that they're, that they seem to be rarely paying it, if any fealty. Um, but like the, the animation style fits in well enough with the original, uh, masters of the universe from 83, or, you know, we could just start calling it Motu at this point. Okay, that way we don't have to say all that. But the animation is definitely reminiscent or, or really close to the 2002 animation, which I've always applauded. I always thought that looked great. Um, and it looks even better than that. The animation in this is absolutely top-notch, in my opinion. Might not be at Voltron Legendary Defender levels, but, you know, I, I'm I'm totally pleased. I have no complaints over the animation here. And that's another point that we have to get to, but we'll get to it. Bottom line, in many ways, this could be a sequel to multiple aspects of the Motu multiverse, <laughs> if you want to call it that. Now, before we get into the storyline, because that's really where all the controversy is, um, though there's some around the animation as well, which I'll talk about, um, let's, let's get into some of the other aspects of this. Uh, script writing. The scripts are fine. I thought that they got in a lot of uh, a lot of good jokes. I mean, it's definitely a darker, more adult show. This is He-Man for adults. When Kevin Smith sent that, said that, uh, I don't think he was lying, even though people are claiming he's lied about other things. But one could almost argue that it's it's almost depressing, um, <laughs> which you could say is a departure from the kind of again what I mentioned earlier. You know, really the 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 oddball optimism, um, of the, you know, original Motu. And again, the animation's great. Uh, the action, awesome. Uh, the story, a lot of the story elements, a lot of the themes in it, like this, this idea of technology versus magic or giving yourself to the motherboard. And all, I mean, I thought that was dynamite stuff, uh, to talk about. So there, there, there's, there are actually, in my opinion, some commentary, uh, really on, on today in a way in that the power vacuum disappears. The power vacuum being perhaps, well, we'll again, spoilers and we'll get into it. You know, He-Man and Skeletor going away. Uh, what fills in that power vacuum, but the big tech <laughs> as, as it were run by Triclops, uh, you got to see it to really like rock it. But I thought that that was, that was really cool. So that, you know, the scripts and everything like that, that there's, there's, 
great stuff in there. Um, the voice acting overall, the voice cast in general, this is star studded stuff really is. Uh, and we'll get the Skeletor, but most of the voice cast, I think is, is brilliant to inspired. Um, I mean, getting in Kevin Conroy as Merman. Awesome. Right. There's Batman himself, uh, involved. Henry Rollins is Triclops. Like I just mentioned, <laughs> Henry Rollins as a cult leader. <laughs> it's so great. Cause that guy's so fucking anti-cult. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's genius. Um, Alicia Silverstone is Queen Marlena. I, I thought that that was a very interesting move. Sarah Michelle Geller is Tila. Um, there's something a little off about that. I'm going to save that, but it's not off for probably the reasons that other people may think, but it leads into another subject. Um, Lena Hetty is evil Lynn. Fantastic way to go, Sarah Connor. Uh, and of course, I mean, and, and there's some other actually, cause I know most people know her for see when I think Lena Hetty, I think 300 and I think Sarah Connor, you know, from Sarah Connor Chronicles, I don't think game of Thrones. For whatever reason, any, any, you know, triple a show animated or not seems to think they have to have a game of Thrones alumni in their show. And I hate that. And I think that that's crap because game of Thrones is crap, uh, from season one to season eight, but, or however many seasons that that piece of shit had, but Lena Hetty was, was the perfect choice. I think for, for evil Lynn totally delivered on that. Uh, let's see who else you know, in, involved that I thought was, was, Oh man, uh, <laughs> Tony Todd as Scareglow. First off, just having Scareglow in this, in my opinion, really shows you brought in fans to get involved on this. There are so many deep cuts of He-Man lore in this five episodes, uh, which again, one of the missions of the show as marketed was that it would close out storylines from the original Motu. Great. Okay. Uh, let, let's have that. And, and I think it is delivering on that promise, um, for starters, but it was so cool to have scare glow, uh, uh, in it. And, and that <laughs> even some of the, some of the, like the really, really deeper cuts. Um, but having, uh, uh, what's his name? Dennis Haysbert as King Grayskull. Woo. <laughs> I was just expecting him to come out and say, that's all state stand, you know, at, at any given point, but he was awesome. Uh, Phil Lamar is hero. First off, just having hero finally in the fucking, like really in the cartoon. Yes, man. Oh, what a cool character with a cool backstory. Now, I don't know what they want to give his backstory in this because they did kind of change what Preternia's original concept was. They turned the idea of not, not Eternia, but Preternia. They turned Eternia or pre, I'm sorry. They turned Preternia into like a heaven. Originally Preternia was just like a primordial Eternia with like dinosaurs and all this crazy shit. And Hero, you know, was this powerful wizard. Uh, that, oh man, what a, what a cool, like character that again, that was supposed to be like a sequel show back in the day that they were going to, I mean, back in the eighties, we're talking about that they were going to do where after He-Man and She-Ra's, there was going to be the hero and it's H-E dash R-O, which, you know, I I've known about the like early scripts and ideas behind that. And I think that could have been a even superior show, uh, you know, really to, to He-Man, the masters of the universe and, and even She-Ra. 
Um, so that, that was really cool to have him in and have Phil Lamar there. I mean, look, Phil Lamar is one of those, and I've met him. I mean, Phil Lamar is just one of those true dorks, you know, one of those true geeks, true nerds that really, really knows his shit. Um, like he was one of the only guys in the movie free enterprise, which any self-respecting nerd has seen, especially if you were on the convention circuit back in the day. Um, you know, in free enterprise, he was like the person who, who didn't have to like really learn his lines because he knew how to talk. He already knew all the stuff that they were talking about in the movie, all the, you know, all the geeky shit. And he he's phenomenal and, and a hilarious guy, but he just totally delivered, um, uh, with, with hero. He's been doing great work in bad batch as well. But anyway, basically I think everybody's doing great except for maybe three where there are some, there's some questions. So let's talk about, um, Mark Hamill as Skeletor. Let's get that. Let's get this out of the way. I love Mark Hamill and anything he wants to voice. He can do that harp launch in my book. Um, he's also somebody who's like, you know, really in the scene. He really knows his shit. And Mark, Ham- like it's not because Mark Hamill's old. It is very different than any other Skeletor we've had in the past. Mark Hamill's performance. It works and it's fine, but it's not. And, and, and maybe it just adds to the darker flavor where you do take Skeletor more seriously. So I guess I kind of like that, but absolutely it's different than the Skeletor of yore. But I'm not really complaining about that. I'm just saying that it's a very noticeable difference, but I think that, Mark Hamill brings again, a seriousness to Skeletor, uh, an edge to Skeletor that pop culture has really removed from the character, unfortunately. So I'm not complaining about it. I'm just going to say that, yes, it's different and it's different to a point where it could be jarring for longtime fans. And I recognize that that's all I'm saying about it, but I think his performance is, is amazing. Chris Wood, on the other hand, Chris Wood, who is doing Prince Adam and He-Man, uh, I think his voiceover is a fail. I think you he does not have the strength uh, of voice that I feel like He-Man deserves and should have. Uh, he doesn't have the depth of his voice. And I get it that, like the original voice actor for He-Man, when he would do Prince Adam, it sounded kind of ridiculous. But I'd rather have that than you know, necessarily than, than, than like, I, I will, I want the strength of voice in He-Man, not in Prince Adam. Now this series is clearly spending a lot of time with Prince Adam, much to the chagrin of many. We'll get into that. Okay. And so I guess I could see the creative decision to have somebody who sound, who's, who's better at doing Prince Adam than they are uh, as He-Man because Chris Wood does fine as, as, as Adam. Okay. Adam's a young guy, right? And he's like almost a boy, almost. Uh, you know, but I wouldn't have minded if they had two voice actors, if they had somebody else to, to do the voice for, for, for He-Man. Um, I really would have brought in somebody else for that. But so I am complaining about Chris Wood. I think that's a miscasting overall. Now the other one, and this is going to start to get into addressing the controversy around the show. So here's Sarah Michelle Geller. Okay. Uh, Sarah Michelle Geller's, you know, she's cool. You know, her and Freddie Prince Jr., you know, own, own it. Like, hey, <laughs> right? 
<laughs> no problem. And like Sarah Michelle Geller has done great voiceover work in Star Wars, you know, in Star Wars Rebels. Um, I have no problem with her work. I have no problem with her as an actress. Her voice on a very muscular Tila comes off as strange because you know it's Sarah Michelle Geller. Like her voice is just unmistakable. And it, it just doesn't fit. Also, it doesn't fit. It's another one like with He-Man where the voice is is a little too a little too high or a little too young, maybe for, for the character, you know, not that Teal is old, but it doesn't match up with, with, with it. It doesn't flow well with the original series. So yeah. And, and it just doesn't match the look that they're giving Tila. Okay. So I'm not really like she's performing great. It just doesn't match the animation very well. In my opinion. Now the animation especially the animation of the women in the show is something of much consternation. It sounds like to a lot of, um, men. <laughs> and, and I think this is hilarious. Uh, I got to tell you, I, so, so me personally, I guess I'm revealing a lot about me in this episode. Um, I have always wanted to like, I mean, I've always wanted to make, you know, movies and whatever else. I've always wanted to make all kinds of entertainment. Um, I do make all kinds of entertainment. I've written books. I've made video games. And these are things that sell, by the way. <laughs> okay. I don't just do fan fiction, though. I've certainly done my my fair share of that. Um, I do audio productions, you know, audio theater. I do all of that. All of that's out there for people to consume and enjoy. Okay. It exists. I've done it. I've never really done video. I've never really done a movie or, or a short or anything like that. I've really always wanted to. Um, and like my dream movie, frankly, and, and I, I don't want to spend a ton of time on this. I'm just going to bring it up so you can understand where my taste and bias is coming from. So if I made a movie, everybody in it, like I would basically, I would go to the nearest bodybuilding competition or I'd go to like the Mr. Olympia and I would just start signing like everybody there to be in my film, man and woman and Z's and whatever. Like I I'd be signing everybody there. Like I I'd have Phil Heath, Michael Hearn, Jake, who's at Michael Hearn's a fine actor. I'm, I'm serious. Uh, you know, Jay Cutler, <laughs> like, uh, if Ronnie, you know, was, was still doing, I mean, I love Ronnie Coleman. Um, you know, I, I'd, I'd be grabbing all of them, you know, and, and a lot of the, you know, the Olympia gals and everything out of, you know, like the wellness division and everything else, like, like the, I, I would be casting all of those people to be in my production. Okay. Um, now you could say, well, maybe, you know, just cause they can build bodies doesn't mean they can act that that's not my point. That's not the point. And actually some of them I think can act very well. Again, Michael Hearn, I, I really think is solid. And of course, you know, we can totally see what happened with Arnold Schwarzenegger's career. Right. But in my, in my dream movie, like everybody would be jacked as shit. Okay. I I'd prefer if they were natty across the board, but whatever, you know, but you get my point. Now there's the very real chance that that, you know, and, and I depends on how you want to use the term bodybuilder. Um, but you know, I'm a person that lifts weights basically seven days a week. Okay. Like I, I, I practice what I preach <laughs> as it were. Cause I mean, you know, but the entertainment I make is larger than life and I'd want everybody in it to be just fucking larger than life. Now there's the very real chance that, 
my, my desire to have that in media and hell, maybe even in my life to some degree could have come from this very early exposure to He-Man, you know, to, to Motu, to, you know, to masters of the universe when I was very, very young. Um, but that's been my dream movie. Like that's my dream casting and, and movie for like forever. So when I hear some people whose opinions apparently matter complain that the women in this show are all being drawn as huge and, and jacked and that the men are being demeaned, which is outrageous because all the guys in this are fucking massive. Okay. <laughs> I mean, from King Randor to, to take your pick. Fuck, even Orko's looking cut. I, I don't see this as a problem. Like, if anything, it's a dream come true. Like, oh, great. Yes, let's have that content where everybody's fucking huge. Now, the argument goes around this from certain YouTubers and commentators is that it's demeaning to men because it's because all the women are big and they're being the heroes and the men are doing jack shit. He-Man, you know, gets offed twice and we only, you know, most of the time, even when we're engaging with He-Man, it's He-Man as Prince Adam, even though Prince Adam is still cut as fuck. And we've got all these massive guys like Hero, King Grayskull, uh, Victor, I mean, or yeah, Vicor, sorry. Beast man's a fucking beast as he should be. Saves Evil Lynn multiple times. And actually, uh, Sorceress in this usually is inject and is often, you know, played out as more old and almost decrepit, you know, due to like the loss of magic in Eternia from He-Man and Skeletor, or, you know, from the, the power swords disappearance. So no, not every woman in this is jacked or necessarily the hero. Uh, but anyway, the argument goes is that men are getting uh, degraded, demeaned and diminished and that this is part of the culture war to degrade, demean, and diminish men. The irony that that statement about men being diminished in this, which isn't true. Like, I mean, you can watch it. It's not that that's not remotely true. Everybody's like, oh, Tila's the hero. That's the problem. He man got off, and that's Mark. It's a, it's a he man was used for marketing. We'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that in a second. Okay. Every one of you guys out there complaining about the women being jacked in the show and that the men are somehow diminished and demeaned and are not allowed to be the heroes and are not jacked or, or whatever the fuck you're saying. I would like to. In fact, I'll even travel to wherever you are. And I'm going to bring some Taylor's tape. OK, some measuring tape. I'm going to bring some measuring tape. And I would like to measure your arms. I would like to measure your biceps and your triceps. I would like to, you know, maybe get some shots with you, you know, and, and I want to see how you who are so complaining about men being demeaned because they're not, you know, the massive figures in this, that it's the women. Let me see how cut you are. Let me see how, let me, let, let me see what you've got going on for you. Okay. Come on. It's summertime. Sun's out, guns out. Let's see it. Fuck. Most of the time that I go to the gym, it's the gals I see that are the ones that are working up a sweat, that are the ones that are like, you know, getting, getting huge and building up. And it's the guys who are just fucking dullards, like going through the motions or they are, you know, 
Like I've been going to the same gym for, uh, or often enough to the same gym for, I don't know, two, three years now. And I've seen guys there that have been going there for years. They haven't grown an inch, you know, and they're going there. Uh, some of them, you know, go there. I, I see them, you know, I don't know, four or five days a week. Now I know that there are plenty of gyms around the world where the guys are, you know, making it happen and are, you know, 10 times the size of me and everything. And Hey, fucking awesome, man, you know, do it. Like, and I mean that I, I'm absolutely, I support you and you know, I'm not one for, for PEDs myself at all. Uh, but you know, do what you want to do. But YouTubers, do me a favor. And before you start ripping on physiques, animated physiques at that, how about you build up one of your own to where you can fucking talk? Now, I'm not saying there isn't content out there that's like designed to somehow degrade men or something like that. Sure, there, there, there's shit out there that's like faux woke and, you know, engages in, in that kind of stuff and whatever. And what I, I don't care. But you know why I don't care about that? Because a lot of guys that I've encountered through my life, through my 40 years on this earth, from fucking Berlin to New York City to, uh, you know, to Los Angeles, you know, like from all over. Okay. Pick your spot, pick your hot spot that I've lived in or been before this, these kinds of what you call men degrading content came out before that these most or a lot of guys were slubs, you know, <laughs> and they sure as fuck aren't living what, uh, even Ayn Rand who, you know, in many ways worship men, uh, I, I don't think it's unfair to say, you know, who are living a heroic life long before any of this content existed. So how about it? Come talk to me about this kind of shit and complain about this shit when you've put in the blood, sweat and tears to have the body or when you've lived and, and look, that ain't, that's not for everybody and that's fine. Okay. But then why would you go and insult people that it is for moving on? Or when you've lived a heroic life, then fine. You know, let, let's talk about ripping on, on, on some gal's heroic journey. And that leads to our second big point here. And that is the complaint that somehow this show is not about He-Man. It's actually about Tila. I'll say this right up front. Okay. There is nothing wrong with that. Now, if the complaint is that Kevin Smith lied and said, oh, this show is all about He-Man. You know, look, folks. I, everybody's saying that this is a bait and switch. I kind of see where you're coming from, but then at the same time, he man's in every episode, whether it's in a flashback or it's in, um, you know, maybe it's his Prince Adam, uh, but he man's in every episode, even when he's dead or he's more or less. In, I mean, he's, he's at least in, you know, four of the five that we've gotten so far. And we still got what five more to come. I'm kind of confused. It, like the language isn't clear if this is season one and then the next five episodes are season two, or if there's going to be 10 episodes of season one and then season two is something else. But He-Man is all over this thing. I, I, I don't, I mean, the, the person who's not in it at all times is Skeletor. Now that's disappointing to me because I fucking want Skeletor, you know, and, and I would argue that Skeletor is you know, more of the cultural meme than even He-Man is. And so if there's any great crime done, 
Well, there's actually another one that I didn't like about this show, but, and I'll get into that. So this show's not perfect. Don't think I'm like defending Kevin Smith or I'm defending this show across the board or anything like that. Um, and also don't think that like, look, I, I've done a lot of reviews of, you know, modern media and yeah, there's plenty of times where there's agendas and stuff. So, I mean, there's times where there's a point to be made around that and there's times when there isn't. Uh, but the real crime here is there's no Skeletor. I mean, there's almost no Skeletor. When he's around, we get incredible moments. And of course, he closes out, you know, episode five, uh, winning the day, which is awesome, which is probably why it didn't leave me with such a bad taste in my mouth. Okay. Um, but this argument that somehow it's the Tila show and there's no, you know, and like there's no he, you know, it, huh. You do realize, I hope, that even in 83, the show was called He-Man in the Masters of the Universe, meaning that, okay, yeah, there's a title character, but there's actually title characters. You know, it's He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. Like, there's there's a full cast here, okay? Um, I don't really see how, because He-Man was, frankly, never the most compelling character in the show. Um, in fact, something they play up quite a bit in this, which has been suggested in other tie in media in the past and was heavily suggest, and I, I could argue was suggested in, in the cartoons themselves is that Tila's the daughter. And this is like, they almost make a joke of it in these five episodes where like everybody's like, Oh, I got to tell you something Tila and it gets cut off. And I'm pretty sure what the, what they want to tell her is that she's the daughter of man at arms and the sorceress you know, and the sorceress is her mother. And they're like, she's really this powerful magician. Okay. That's a great storyline. It's an awesome storyline to get into. And it's been played with many times before with no complaints over the decades, by the way. And look, look, I read the tweets. I know the whole story. I just told you, I listened to all the YouTubers who made their case that, Oh, you know, Kevin Smith did a bait and switch. Kevin Smith lied, blah, blah, blah. Kevin Smith is a corporate chill. Um, whatever. Okay. <laughs> also these cartoons were, you know, 20 to 30 minute commercials. Now modern Hollywood and we are mod the modern entertainment industry. We talked about this many times does not generally does not allow you to get away with, um, like, you know, really heady controversial, controversial revolutionary ideas anymore which I would argue even the original He-Man had a little bit of that. We talked about that earlier with some of the, you know, fantastic scripts, uh, script writers that that show had and how, because the toy lines, you know, the toy line was making the money, how they could slip this shit in. Um, I don't feel like at least masters of the universe revelation is, I don't feel like that's entirely about selling toys. Um, even though adults are definitely the people who buy the most, the most toys now by demographic or if it is to sell toys, it's selling like the, the origins line for He-Man, right? Which that is a remake of the original toys anyway. And it's not for the new cartoon. So even though I know there are toys for the new cartoon also, and I know there's another He-Man cartoon coming out that who knows what that's going to be. But I mean, to get back to the point, you know, yeah, you could say He-Man's the star of the show. Sure. He's the captain Cisco. He's the captain Picard. He's the whatever. But I mean, think about like, shows like say D space nine, or think about say a Babylon five or think about, um, Batman, the animated series and so on. All of those shows were great because of the ensemble. 
right? I mean, like, D Space Nine was awesome. What, what I would argue what makes D Space Nine such a strong show, especially in Star Trek, and what really differentiates it is the 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 cast that's not in the main credits. It's Garrick. It's, uh, you know, Morn. It's Gul Dukat. It's, you know, go, go down uh, Zial. I mean, go down the list of them. Those are the characters that make the show great. And I think He-Man, the, the Motu, you know, universe, multiverse, was due to have all the other characters, you know, get their get their uh, time in the limelight. Especially, like, I think giving Evil Lynn some backstory, which this totally did, and it was hilarious and well done, was, I mean, it was fucking great. Like, yeah, like, I mean, she even cracks a joke about her name. Like, that's the, this, the show's awesome because, like, it's, it's so self-aware, right? Like, you know, yeah, and I wasn't called Evil Lynn. You know, I, I like, they didn't name me Evil Lynn. I added that later. <laughs> that, was, that was hilarious. Or how even Queen Marlena, you find out she basically knows, and she's known, you know, and they, they really hammer this home. She knew that her son was, uh, you, you know, it was, was Prince Adam and, and King Randor was just, was just a goof. And you can't say that, oh yeah, King Randor being such a blind idiot in this and being so crazy to, uh, to man at arms and firing him and everything that somehow, oh, oh that that's more the degrading of men. No, no. <laughs> Did you watch Moto in 83? Did you not hear Skeletor constantly calling Randor, you idiot? Randor, you boo. No, this guy's been getting ripped on for 40 years. <laughs> That's not new. That's the storyline. I mean, sure. Do I want to see He-Man come out and kick some ass? Would that have been nice, you know, uh, in, in the original continuity or whatever continuity this is based on? Again, that's somewhat ambiguous. Would that have been nice? Yeah, that would have been great. <laughs> sure. I would have loved to have seen it. Is there a parallel to be made? Because some have made this. Is it a parallel to The Last Jedi where they basically, of all ironies, Mark Hamill, they neutered Luke Skywalker? Yeah, I, I can almost see that. But then what does He-Man do? He doesn't toss the power sword. You know, he, 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 like, he offers himself instantly. He never stops being the hero. How Luke Skywalker got shat upon was... And I mean, and believe me, I agree. He got shat upon. Okay. Like they fucked up his character, but he got screwed up because he walked away. You know, he stopped being the hero. He man never stopped being the hero. Even in death, he would again, become the hero. This is not the last Jedi treatment. It's not. Tila is not a Mary Sue. Tila was badass in the eighties. I mean, absolutely. There are things I wish that this show different or that it did different. I really, really do. Okay. But the arguments against it being made are horseshit. I don't think that there was, I don't think there was a bait and switch at all. I think it's cliche to, and I almost felt like I, and this is without knowing about the, you know, the, the whole controversy around this, uh, because I'm not on Twitter. So I didn't see it until like it happened now. Um, or, or until like it really came into the limelight recently. But I, I think it's to the point of cliche that when they do bring franchises like this back, where they do the shocking thing where like, you know, they take the messianic figure and they off him early. Like I, okay. That like, I, I think that's a poor choice. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have done that. But at the same time, what I fully support 
is bringing up the rest of the cast, making all of these, even if you're just into the action figures, giving all these action figures way more storyline. Fuck yes, that's a great thing. Build up more characters. That just allows for more storytelling, more drama that's not so repetitive. I mean, I mentioned MacGyver earlier. And, you know, I mean, everybody remembers MacGyver, right? And absolutely, MacGyver's the great character there. No doubt about that. But that shows strengths and personability and, you know, the way that you can relate to it generally comes from the supporting cast. It comes from, you know, Pete Thornton, right? Played by the amazing uh, 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 Dana Claire. Uh, it comes from, you know, Bruce McGill uh, playing Jack, right? It comes from characters like Penny Parker or Nikki Carpenter or, you know, all these different characters that build up throughout the show's history. That's what makes it feel. It's part of what makes it feel real because there's so many people involved, but that's what allows you to connect with it because there's like this, you know, there's almost this family aspect to it. And so fuck by all means, give these characters their time in the sun. Give, you know, give Tila a crazy, you know, uh, like a, whatever her, her story or have her go through a trial and tribulation, give it to, to evil Lynn. Um, you know, just go down the list and Hey, you know, is Tila in a lesbian relationship in this show? Yeah, it looks like it. What of it? Are you seriously going to complain about that? Especially when you're probably going to X hamster as soon as you're done listening or, or as soon as you finish listening to those idiots like Eric July and you're going to watch. I don't know, like three gals playing with each other and you're going to complain about that shit happening in Masters of the Universe. Give me a fucking break. No, just about every argument against the show is wrong. It's not that it's perfect. It's not. There should be more Skeletor. 100%. Nobody's talking about that, though. The other problem with this show is the music. Now, look, I know I hate new BSG. I hate the new Battlestar Galactica. It's terrible. And, you know, because to some degree, a show is only about as good as it's ending and (laughs) failure, uh, just like lost, just like game of Thrones, just like go down the list of everything else that people are really into. You know, if you can't stick the landing, you crash the plane and it's over. So I really, I don't have anything against Bear McCreary. In fact, actually, I think some of the music he did for Battlestar Galactica wasn't, wasn't bad. Like it was actually kind of clever. Um, and the music done for revelation for, for Motu revelation here, it it is scored by Bear McCreary. Uh, he did really, some of it feels very subdued. There is a kind of a newer main theme and it's wholly new there. I didn't feel like, unless I missed them, I didn't hear any musical cues from any previous uh, Motu uh, iterations. Um, His new theme is pretty inspiring. I mean, it'll get the the goosebumps going. And so he succeeded on that. So I'm not saying that the music is bad necessarily, even though some of it is way too subdued from what I think it should be. Uh, But to not take advantage of that phenomenal theme by Haim Saban and Shuki Levy, like, you know, from, from the original Motu. Wow. Fail, man. I mean, even new BSG didn't fuck that up. They had the guts to play the original Galactica theme when they were showing off the Galactica in the first episode of the miniseries as a museum. Failure, 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 failure. I mean, that's one of the most, that's one of the most kick ass cartoon themes 
or just themes in general in history. And you dropped the ball on that overall, just a phenomenal soundtrack the original Motu and you didn't use any of it. Oh man. Did you fuck up? Uh, you really fucked up on that. That was a bad choice. And I don't know what was behind that. Did they not have the rights? Did they have to go pay Haim Saban and he asked for, you know, an arm and a leg and maybe the ambulance as well. I, you know, maybe that's the case, but that that's malpractice while we're talking about ambulances, <laughs> that is malpractice to not use the fucking original theme from, uh, from, from He-Man, the masters of the universe. Botch that. I was waiting for it. Like it was cool when they were showing the kind of like the, 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 the artwork at the beginning and, and doing that big opening and everything, all that was really well done, but to not have that music, man, did that suck? Maybe they're saving it. Maybe, you know, when He-Man comes back in all his glory and we're pretty sure he's going to come back. Uh, maybe, maybe they'll finally play it when he really gives it a, I have the power moment. And I mean, and, and I'll be ready for it, you know, but that's, that's probably my biggest critique with this show is that is, is the music that it was a misstep to not take advantage of previous music from the Motu multiverse. Uh, Bear McCurry's work was, was fine. Okay. In fact, his main theme was great, but it just, you just screwed up. So that said, um, I, again, I, I really enjoyed this, uh, all five episodes. This was very fan servicey. Kevin Smith said that there was no bait and switch there. This is fan service up the ass. And I love it. Um, I mean, if you know your shit, like you, you really are getting constant resolution, like two, three resolutions to storylines that I can think of per episode. And those are just the ones I can think of off the top of my head. This was absolutely made for Motu fans that know their Motu really well. That's it. I mean, and if you need me to go down the list, I've already been going an hour and 20 here. If you really need me to go down the list of them, go ahead and, and, and you know, message me on Telegram or email me questions at SovereignTech.com and I'll break them down. So you can go and put them in all those YouTubers faces that they're really the problem. Like... <laughs> I know they say, well, you know, this is a, the classic tactic of the leftists. They, the end of Hollywood, they, they blame the fans and not Hollywood and they don't blame themselves for making shit or something like that. No, 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 no. You don't get to say that to me because I'm not a leftist and uh, I will, I gladly rip Hollywood to shreds on the regular. I rip Netflix to shreds on the regular. I rip corporatism on the, sh you know, to shreds on the regular. You don't get to claim that on me, but I am telling you, you are the problem because you're the one you're looking for. You're the one looking for battlefronts in your culture war. Uh, you know, the people on the liberal side do the same thing. I'm not saying they don't, but don't think that you're not engaging in it as well. And when somebody's looking for a fight, it's a good chance they're going to find it. And you went looking for it when there isn't one to be had here. And worse, most of you don't have room to talk around anything that you're talking about. If you watch this and you didn't see the level of fan service that was done in this, holy shit. I, you know, seriously, like he, he man, the character like him alone, right? This is the argument is that, well, we didn't get he man in a he man show. Um, 
again, I don't know why that's a problem. It's like saying, well, we can't have Star Trek without Captain Kirk. Gee, how much great shit would we have missed out if we bought that line? Hmm? Um, I mean, guys, like, look, I love Motu. I hope I've expressed that. Uh, <laughs> Motu's great without He-Man. <laughs> like, like, Motu was great without He-Man before this cartoon came out. I, I mean, in, in a lot of my head canon, you know, or a lot, a lot of like the, the stuff that not my head canon, but like in, in, I mean, I've written Motu fan fiction and whatever, and, and I've acted out Motu shit in my life. And most of the time that had to do with me killing He-Man and like me as Skeletor or like me writing Skeletor and Skeletor doing the business and all that or whatever. However, that, that took shape. Um, I hate to break it to you. There is a large contingent of fans of masters of the universe who have been around for decades. They're not modern people and they're not liberals. Okay. There are large amounts of people who their dream is for He-Man to finally get offed and for the show to continue on in the or, you know, and for the series to continue on in that fashion. There are people who wish that She-Ra stayed evil under Hordak. That was awesome. <laughs> right now, you know, bringing up She-Ra, guess what? See, this is why you don't get to, uh, you don't get to peg me. Well, you don't get to peg me for a lot of reasons, but this is why you don't get to peg me with all these other people out there. Okay. That you seem to be thinking are, are, are against you. Um, like that new Shira cartoon. Yeah. That's horseshit. That's, that's crap. <laughs> I mean, light that stuff on fire. Get it out of here. I have no interest in that. It, 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 it it's so that's disrespectful to the franchise. No doubt. Okay. No argument from me there. Just like that, that remake they wanted to do of Thundercats. Like, what the hell are you thinking? But guys, gals, like Masters of the Universe Revelation. No, th this isn't one of those. This is, this is for us. And I think it was super well done. It has some missteps, but overall super well done. Far better than I expected it to be uh, because I was going into this expecting it to really suck. So I think you, yeah, I think most of these people that are complaining about this, they're just looking for a place to complain. They're looking for their next battlefront to, you know, to, to, for, to find a hill to die on, you know, because I didn't see any of these And here. Here's kind of to prove the point. So the, most people don't know this. There was a new episode of He-Man done in 2016, original voice and everything. It was great. This episode came out after that box set that I mentioned to you. Okay. I want you to go in and try and find it online in most of your traditional torrent sites and everywhere else. Blah, blah, blah. You're not going to find it. You can buy it. You can rent it, you know, and maybe stream it from certain places, but it's very, it's very hard to find. It's never been released on home video. It's an official, it should absolutely be and is considered an official part of the canon. I went and bought it on Amazon, Amazon streaming, Amazon prime. And I did the screen capture. If there's any copy available online, it's because of me. I shared it in the sovereign tech telegram group. I might've put it up on a couple other places. It was nowhere to be found to download for free. And what bothers me is that when things like this aren't available in those ways, I feel like there isn't like that hardcore fan base that's into the stories. Again, like I said, I know there's lots of people who are into the He-Man toys, but that hardcore fan base that's into the stories, I debate whether or not it, ex whether or not it exists 
Because where were all these people? In fact, I guarantee you, most of these people who are commenting or who are who are even, uh, you know, who, the, the YouTubers or the people commenting on the YouTube videos who are complaining probably have no fucking idea that that, that episode even exists. Because the first argument that should have come out of their mouths if they're complaining about Masters of the Universe Revelation is that, well, there was a new episode done in 2016 and it was just like the original series. Why couldn't you do that again? If it could be done in 2016, it could be done in 2021. That should have been the first argument to come out of people's mouths. And I haven't heard a single one. And I've watched so many of these stupid videos by these morons. Okay, these nincompoops. I, I try to calm down. Let me, let me say it in a nicer way. I've watched so many videos by these slap nuts. Sorry, I was going to be nice. I've watched so many of these videos. None of them talk about that. When it's the easiest, it's a low-hanging fruit to hit anybody over the head with right now when you're saying that the show that you watched uh, since July 23rd, you know, that being Revelation, doesn't live up to your expectations. And I dare any of these fuckballs to have me on their show. Or you know what? You can ask Stephen come on mine, and let's have let's have the let's have the debate. Let's have the argument. You tell me how I'm wrong, because I've told you how you are, and I know I'm right. I'm the king of the nerds, and I'm the podcast fucking champion. Now, <laughs> so do I recommend this wholeheartedly? Wholeheartedly, I I think is I I these five episodes are fantastic. Um, I like the you know, yeah again. Could it be different? Are there things I would like to have seen? Sure. But the darker tone, I'm not going to argue against that. I think that's fine. Let it, let it happen because that's going to make it sweeter when, you know, for most people, when the good guys eventually win. And if the good guys don't eventually win, holy shit. Do you know how happy I'll be? How happy I'll be? Do you realize the reason you think Empire Strikes Back is the best Star Wars movie ever, even though I don't agree with that? But it, when I, I say Return of the Jedi, but regardless... You know, you do realize unconsciously the reason you think that that's the best one ever is because the bad guys win and you've never seen anything else like that other than maybe like Swordfish or Payback with Mel Gibson. What a pleasure it would be to finally have content out there where the fucking bad guy wins. But if you're not into that, at least with something, I guess it shows how stuck in the rut you are. Because most of the time, actually, the bad guy is the anti-authoritarian, <laughs> right? I mean, if you want to get really philosophical about it, the bad guy wins in most media, right? I mean, just, just watch, um, law and order. The cops win. Well, it looks like the bad guys won son of a bitch. No. <laughs> no, because murder is, you know, the ultimate evil, right? But you get where I'm going with that. And I'm kind of being funny. So that said, yes, check this out. Um, I mean, we're only five episodes deep. I don't really want to give it a rating until we get the next five episodes because I want to see how they're going to stick the landing. Um, but I will say this is totally worth you watching um, these first five episodes. And you do get somewhat of a complete story. You get a cliffhanger, but you do get like, you know, there's resolution to a lot of things, again, from the original cartoon, but then resolution within its own journey uh, within just five episodes, which I think is mighty impressive. Uh, and I've only really seen that done by, by two other, uh, fantastic things that, uh, and look, I don't like to give Netflix compliments. Most of what they make is crap. Um, but you know, sometimes they hit it sense eight, right. Uh, or Voltron legendary defender or Castlevania. And I think revelate masters of the universe revelation is right in that number with Voltron, uh, and, or, you know, legendary defender and 
Castlevania, where in just a few episodes, it can take you on one hell of a journey. Uh, and I think in five episodes, it really did. Um, so I, you know, this is coming with my recommendation as somebody who is a massive, uh, Motu fan and who also hates modern media most of the time. Uh, so, you know, this, <laughs> I hope that means something a little bit more to you, but we've been going for an hour and a half. So I think that's enough. If you want, if you have questions, Happy to do a Q&A episode around this thing. Again, happy to debate somebody about this. If you somehow think that, holy shit, this is, man, the culture war has gone to He-Man and oh, fuck, we're all screwed. I don't know, whatever. Come at me. I'll have the measuring tape ready. So anyway, that's it. I will wrap this one up. More Sovereign Tech to come. Boy, that, that ended off, that sounded kind of mean. Jeez. Oh, well. <laughs> I can just see the emails coming. <laughs> oh, Stallion, if you don't recant what you just said, I, I boy, I, I might just, I, I might walk off a cliff or something. <laughs> well, oh, they walked off a cliff. Problem solved. <laughs> All right, no, I, I'll stop. <laughs> see, this is what happens when, when you watch these people. <laughs> you know, those brain cells, they just start going away. So, all right, that's it. I will wrap it up uh, for this Sovereign Tech, and I will see all of you whoo, on the other side. Maybe in Eternia. Oh, two, maybe pre-Eternia. No, never dying. Woo, see you on the other side. 